I want to begin today's sermon with a, a proverb that I'm sure some of you have heard before, um, but I think it, it illustrates what we're going to be talking about today quite well. And it goes like this, uh, a farmer and his son had a beloved horse, a stallion that would uh, help them earn their living around the house and work the land, and one day the horse ran away, and when the neighbors of the farmer heard about it, they came up to him and said, oh no, what bad luck, your horse has ran away. And the farmer replied, well, maybe so, maybe not, we'll see. A few days later, the the horse returned home, and it led with it a few wild mares, and when the neighbors heard about this, they came over to the farmer and again said, what amazing news, your horse has come back, and it's brought more with it. And the farmer responded, well, maybe so, maybe not, we'll see. Later that week, as the farmer's son was trying to tame the wild mares, he fell off the horse and ended up breaking his leg. And when, again, the neighbors heard about this incident, they came to the farmer and said, what bad luck, your only son has broken his leg. And the farmer again replied in this cryptic answer, maybe so, maybe not, we'll see. A couple weeks after the son fell off the horse and broke his leg, a detachment of soldiers came through the town and were conscripting people to the army and As they came to the farmer's house, the son had a broken leg, and so they weren't able to uh, conscript him for their army. But as the friends of the farmer heard this, they cried out, what a tremendous luck. Your son wasn't conscripted to the army. You've gotten your son's life. To which the farmer responded once more, maybe so, maybe not. We'll see. Perspective is what changes the way and our attitude about life and the circumstances that we face And more important than the events that we face in this life is the the attitude we have towards them and the way that we choose to respond to them. So we as human beings are actually in control of very little of our lives as much as we like to think. But one thing that we can always shape is our perspective. Now this morning we are continuing through our summer series, Pray, where we've been walking through different prayers in the Bible and, and seeing the importance that God has placed upon prayer in our relationship with him. We've looked through uh, prayers for healing, prayers of intercession, prayers to know God more, and uh, this morning we're going to be looking at prayers of thanksgiving. And in, in our studying these prayers, we can continue to see that there is not only this depth and desire for relationship, but to walk intimately with him and to know that he walks intimately with us. So, I want to I today look at uh, prayers of thanksgiving and the ways that these shape our perspective. Uh, but as we do, I want to answer or try to look at three different questions. What does thankfulness look like? Why should we be thankful? And how can we be thankful always? Uh, so if you have your Bibles with you this morning, turn with me. We're going to be reading from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Uh, it's actually just a very, very short couple verses. And I am surprised if you've seen handing out candy to kids, it's because if they give me a verse, they get a piece of candy in return. Jesus wept is getting old. They've gotten all their candy for that. This is the second shortest verse, rejoice always. So kids, you can memorize this one if you want. 1 Thessalonians 5, uh, chapter 5, verses 16 to 18. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus very short couple verses, but these have been our theme verses for the entire Pray series. Uh, Now, I remember when I first read these verses a few years ago, back in my younger teen years, 
Um, I remember when I read this verse, I laughed out loud at it. I kind of got a good chuckle because, I mean, first of all, it's pray continually and then rejoice always. I can do one or the other, continually or always. I can't do both. But it wasn't actually that that I had a problem with. It was more the giving thanks always part that I thought was a little ridiculous. Like, how is it, how is it possible to give thanks when the world and even my own life is so messed up at times? How is it, how are we able to enter into that attitude? Because, you know, when we look to Paul, the guy who wrote this, a lot of the letters that he wrote to us that we can read from and, and the words we read to rejoice always, these are written from a cold, dark prison, right? He wasn't reading these from his luxurious home with running water and amazing other things. And so as I, as I began to read and study this passage, I became more curious. I wanted to figure out the key to contentment and happiness, right? Because this is it. If you can rejoice always, then you are bulletproof. There's nothing that can steal your joy or take away your hope. It's, it's regardless of circumstance. And yet Paul here doesn't say give thanks for all circumstances, right? When evil happens in this world, we don't have to rejoice about it. God is saddened much more by the evil in this world than we are even affected by it. Paul says, give thanks in all circumstances, recognizing that regardless of the good or bad events in our lives, we can still give reason or have reason to give thanks. We can continue to be joy-filled and hope-filled people. So how do we get there? Uh, let's start with the first question. What does thankfulness look like? Uh, now, back in, in Moses' day, as he was leading the Israelites through the desert, they'd just come out of Egypt, they'd seen some miracle, uh, amazing miracles that God had worked, uh, and then they're wandering in the desert for years. And in this place, God gave his people the law. And so these were the rules and requirements the Israelites followed in order to have a blessed life and a good relationship with God. This was God's law, not just man's law. It was perfect. It was right. It was good. And if they followed it, then life would go well for them. And an important aspect of the, the rules and the law were, were sacrifices and offerings. And an important aspect of this was that the sacrifices were given uh, sometimes as guilt offerings. And so if you had sinned, you would offer uh, an animal, or you would give a, a guilt offering. Uh, some of the other offerings were if you had just harvested your land, you want to give the first fruits towards God, uh, not only to feed people, but also as an expression of thanks for his provision. Uh, and then there was something called the peace offerings. And these were uh, there, there were actually three different reasons you could offer a peace offering. The first one was if you had just fulfilled a vow that you gave to God. So if you said, I'm going to read my Bible every morning for one year. Then at the end of that year vow, if you'd completed it, you would give a sacrifice, a peace offering to God. Uh, the two other times were is if you were thanking God for a specific circumstance that he had saved you from. So uh, if an invading nation had just been taken out by God in clear ways, you'd give thanks to him, offer a peace offering. And the last way was just to simply thank God for his provision in your life, not really focused on anything specific, but as a general expression of thankfulness towards him. And this is how God commanded his people to express their thanks to him, to show that they were thankful for the things that he had given him. But what I found interesting about this was that it was called a peace offering. 
right? They're, they're not called peace offerings because they make peace between God and us. That's what the guilt offering does, right? It, it appeases the sin that we had committed so that God doesn't see our sin. He sees the sacrifice, and he forgives us through that. But a peace offering was instead made as an offering of enjoying peace with God. You, you see peace and thankfulness go hand in hand. We can gain more peace the more thankful we are. In, in Philippians 4, Paul writes, don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, with prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, will, will, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts. When we begin to see how much God has done for us, when we are thankful for the, for the great gift that he's offered for us and on behalf of our own sins, then we can have peace in life. We can enjoy peace. One of the great of, greatest benefits of thankfulness is peace. The second greatest peace offering ever made was by King Solomon, and it was for the dedication of the temple. And it was an amazing offering. He offered 22,000 cattle and 120,000 sheep as an expression of thankfulness for the provision that God had given to this nation, not only in the extravagance of the temple, but also in the fact that he promised to dwell with them. This was King Solomon's way of thanking God with extravagance. It was the world's largest barbecue. But the greatest peace offering ever made was the one Jesus gave for us on the cross gave up his own life so that we might enjoy peace with God, not just in this life, but in life everlasting, not to remain in this broken state of relationship that we were left in because of our sin, the things that we had committed. We can be thankful and enjoy peace knowing what Jesus has done. In Ephesians 2, 14, it says, for he, being Jesus himself, is our peace, who has made the two groups one and destroyed the barrier. Even when we look to communion, the word Eucharist, or the liturgical word for the communion meal that we celebrate, is, is literally translated from the word that we get for grateful. We, we celebrate communion both as a reminder as, and as an expression of thankfulness for what God has done in our life. Right? We remember that even though it cost our Savior his life, even though he had to go to the cross and face the torment that it cost him there, and take the full weight of, upon, weight of our sin upon himself. He did that for us because he saw that it was worthwhile. You see, at the Last Supper, when, when Jesus, before he passed out the bread and the, the wine, it says that he gave thanks for both of them. He looked up to heaven and gave thanks to God for these things. And I wonder how hard that moment was for Jesus as he's sitting there with his disciples knowing what would happen and knowing that his own, his own flesh would be torn apart like the loaf of bread in his hands that he passed out. But Jesus was thankful, even knowing what it would cost him, even knowing what was ahead for him. If Jesus could, facing his own death and torment, be thankful and look to God and be thankful for the things that were going to be accomplished through his sacrifice, then we too can be thankful amidst our circumstances. In the midst of your darkness or threat, if the enemy seems looming over your life or it just feels like you've been hanging on for a, by a strand for too long, even in that place, there's reason to be thankful. There's always reason to be thankful because we have a Savior who has shown us his love for us is so great that no evil, nothing we do can overcome it. 
But, and I'm sure you've noticed this too, thankfulness isn't really our first response. It's not really a natural attitude that we have. We, we often choose the opposite of thankfulness, which is complaining. We complain about the things we lack, about the, the friend who has that annoying habit. We complain about having to wait, complain about our food when it's too cold, too hot, but our family not living up to our expectations. And as we continue to complain, it gets more hard to get out of this downward spiral. You know, the, the more we complain, the worse off life looks. The worse off life looks, the more we complain. And I've seen people stuck in this. I'm sure you have too. It's, it's discouraging. It's sad to see because they, they, see lens through, or they see life through the lens of what they don't have, not what God has given to them. And so it's hard to get out of that. But sometimes it's not just that person that we have in our mind. Sometimes that person is me. It's you. It's easy to complain. And like I said, when we continue to complain, we stay in this attitude and stay in this downward spiral. So how do we get out? Because when we complain, it's like we treat everything that God has given to us as garbage. Everything that he's already gifted us with, we overlook and treat those things as meaningless. If we complain about a person who is offended us, you know, we forget that we've been forgiven a greater debt by Jesus. We've offended him in far greater ways than a person has ever offended us. And when we complain about not getting what we think is best in life or, you know, we don't get our way, we forget that we don't see the whole picture. We don't have God's minds and eyes to be able to see reality as it is in the grand ways that he sees it. We see only life through a, a dim mirror, seeing reality faded. And so Philippians 2, it encourages us to do everything without complaining or grumbling or arguing. So what have you complained about lately? Is it your, your spouse, your boss, your, your estranged friend, your co-workers? In all things, we can bring our mistakes to God and ask him for the forgiveness that we seek and the help that we need to be more thankful people. It's not easy. It takes discipline, but like I said, it's more easy for us to complain. That's a more natural attitude that we fall in than thankfulness at times. But with God, we can make it out of that pit. God worked with people in the Bible who complained. Jonah, he was a prophet who God called to speak to the Ninevites and proclaim a message, but Jonah ran the other way. He didn't want to go because the Ninevites were brutal people. They, they mistreated his people, the Israelites, in terrible, terrible ways. And so Jonah complained that God didn't wipe them out. And so in this moment, God spoke gently to Jonah and reminded him that they were just simply lost people. God works to change our perspective. He works with us, even amidst our difficulty. And sometimes he has to put us in the belly of a whale for us to change our perspective. But he's faithful to teach us even there. But two, we need to be careful about our complaining. Looking back to Moses' time, the Israelites who wandered in the desert were the same ones who had seen God work ten amazing plagues over the nation of Egypt they're the ones who saw Moses hold out his staff as the Red Sea split before them and walked through it on dry ground. They were the ones who had seen God create water from a rock to feed, or water or to satisfy the thirst of over a million people. And yet they were also the ones who constantly complained. And the funny thing is, their complaints were much more understandable than ours. 
Like, they were complaining at one point about not having water after they'd been wandering in the dry desert for a couple days, right? I think we would complain too. That's pretty understandable or reasonable, we would say. But that's the problem. They were afraid for their lives, and instead of trusting God to take care of their needs in the same ways that they had seen Him take care of them in their past, they forgot about it. They moved on. And so they began to grumble about how good life was before God had saved them from Egypt. And, and because of their complaints, God sent them plagues. God sent them invaders, people to rule over them. And God eventually didn't keep, or kept them from entering the promised land because of their complaining. He did these things in order to help change their perspective. It might seem like we have a lot to complain about, especially when life is going poorly, when we don't have the things that we think we need to survive. But even in these times, we have a reason to be thankful. Even in the midst of having nothing, we can hold on to the promise that in Jesus we have all that we need. So that being said, I want to ask you this question. What is God doing in your life right now to help change your perspective? You may be going through difficulties that are for the purpose of shaping your perspective, of helping you to see what you have instead of seeing what you lack. Perhaps God has put you in the belly of a whale, giving you trials and difficulties in order for you to come out of the current perspective that you're in. Now, I do want to explain that not all trials that we go through can be simply explained away as changing our perspective or fixing us in those ways. But even in those challenges, even in the moments where it seems like the trials that we're going through is absent of God, like he's nowhere to be found, we can trust and have hope that we have a Savior who will never leave us nor forsake us. We have a God who continues to work all things for the good of those who love him. We can be thankful regardless of our circumstances. So when life isn't going well, try not to be bitter. Try not to complain. What isn't going your way is perhaps what you're not seeing. Be curious about what God is going to do through it. That's probably one of the most helpful pieces of advice I ever received. When you're going through difficulty, don't be bitter. Be curious about what God is going to do through it. So what does thankfulness look like? Just to summarize here, it looks like an unshakable peace. It looks like having joy in circumstances that we shouldn't have joy in. I remember back in college, uh, I, was, I was just arriving on campus, and as I was unloading some of my stuff from the car to the dorm, a friend came out and decided to help me carry some of my boxes. And uh, I remember he, he picked up the one heavy box, and as he was walking, there was a low tree branch ahead of him, and as he was carrying it, the tree branch kind of did this slingshot thing lifted the box up a little bit and it whacked him right across the face. And uh, immediately his instinct reaction was, oh, thank you, Jesus. And I was like, we, so we kept carrying the boxes and like, it wasn't a sarcastic tone. It wasn't like, oh, thank you, God. It was real. It was genuine. He was actually thankful. And so after we sat down the boxes, I just asked him, you could see the big red mark underneath his eye. And I asked him, I'm like, why did you thank God? Why was that your response and his immediate reaction was, well, man, it almost hit my eye. Like, it was just an inch below, and if it were, like, one inch higher, I could have had actual damage. But that was his reasoning. He was thankful for getting hit in the face with a branch, not because of what happened, but because of what didn't happen. And even though it might seem like a little bit of a ridiculous example, I think that he, he's got something right there. 
We often tend to see things through what's happening to us, what God is doing sometimes unaware, or what, what we are unaware to what God is doing sometimes. But thankfulness changes our perspective. This is why we should be thankful people. We stop seeing life through the lens of how unfair it is towards us and how much we've been given instead. But having an attitude of ungratefulness pushes us further from God. Romans 1.21 says, For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him. But in their thinking became futile, but their thinking became futile, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Paul says that failing to praise and thank God in certain circumstances can cause our thinking to become futile. Our thoughts became, become incapable of producing anything useful. It reminds me of the story of Nebuchadnezzar in Daniel, where he, he was the mighty king of Babylon and looked out over everything that he had created, and he said, is this not the great Babylon I have made as my royal residence by my mighty power and for the glory of my majesty? And he took all the glory. He thanked himself for this, and instead of thanking God for the kingdom before him, he praised himself. And so God had to do something drastic in order to change his mind, and if you've read the story, it was pretty crazy. He did something drastic. He made Nebuchadnezzar act like a cow for seven years, eating grass. It's a pretty crazy story. I'd encourage you to read it, but God will do some incredible things to help us change our perspective. And at the end of King Nebuchadnezzar's time, he realized who was in charge. He gave glory to God for being in control of everything. It's a good thing that God works with us instead of giving up on us. He will at times do things that we think are too much, that are, that are too stretching for our souls. But in his great mercy, these are the tools that he uses to change us and transform our perspective, to help us come from darkness into light, to truth and reality. Now, it is an ongoing process. You know, being thankful isn't just a one-off thing that we can immediately be. It's a discipline. It takes time to get there. And so, We've already hinted at the answer to this question, but why should we be thankful? Well, not only do we have a greater peace that we can experience, but we also are able to get rid of fear and anxiety when we are thankful. And, and these are things that are raging wildfires in our society today, and especially with the pandemic, that's only given more fertile soil to fear and worry in our day. But we too are in a culture that constantly wants more consumerism, the desire for the next better thing instead of being content with what we have and making it work. So how do we break the cycle of discontentment? With thankfulness, by realizing what we actually do have and thanking Jesus for what he's done for us and given to us. If you're unhappy with your circumstances, ask Jesus to help you see how much you do have in him. It's a humbling process. It is a discipline for a reason. It's hard to do that. In the midst of thinking that you don't have enough to thank God for the things that he has given you, that is hard. But it's also what's going to change our perspective. Like I said, it's a discipline. I remember back when I got out of high school, I, I went through a heavy season of depression. And uh, I remember trying to get out of that season. One thing that was encouraged to me was just to, at the end of the day, thank God for 10 things. And so I remember that first week that I did it, it was a very sarcastic week. Um, it was, okay, God, fine, I'll thank you for all the things. Uh, for my finger, 
for my hand, my arm, for the trees. Like, it was very sarcastic without thought put in. Because I wasn't willing to let go of my perspective that I'd been wronged, that it was unfair, that I didn't like the things that were happening in my life. I wasn't willing to let go of my perspective that I didn't have all that I needed. I didn't want to acknowledge that there were many good things already in my life because I wanted the problems to go away first. And it can be difficult in that to humble ourselves, let go of perspective of what's fair and unfair, and to instead see God's provision throughout it all. So this leads us to the last question. How can we be thankful always? What's the secret? Well, if you buy my self-help book for three easy payments of $39.95, I'm just kidding. Um, I I do want to clarify right off the bat that thankfulness doesn't mean forcing yourself to be happy when you're not. That's not thankfulness. It's an attitude of realizing who is in control over everything and seeing the great goodness of him who is in control over everything. Like I said, it's a discipline and it takes time to develop. But how do you get started? Well, first it requires us that we use our noggins. Think and thank both come from the same root word. So when we spend time thanking God, we have to engage our minds and have to look for the ways that we've seen God at work in our lives. In your past, recalling what God has brought you through and saved you from. In your present, recognizing what God is currently doing and speaking to you today. And also in holding sure to the promises that God will continue to be with us throughout our future. What are your thoughts? Do you find yourself being appreciative in your thoughts or complaining in your thoughts? If you find yourself complaining, it's as simple as stop and think of a reason that you have to give thanks. Again, it's hard. It's not something that comes natural to us or what we want to do, but remember that we always have a reason to give thanks. In James, it tells us that our Father is, or that from our Father comes every good and perfect gift. That everything that we have that is good and perfect in this world is from Him. We always have reason to give thanks. But as humans, we're pretty good at forgetting. And God wants to, us to remember what He's done in our past, what He's done in our lives what he has saved us from, of the sacrifice that he gave in order for us to be made whole, how much that cost him, and how good that is for us. When we, when we look at the lives of the Israelites wandering through the desert, I don't know about you guys, but it's been pretty easy for me at times when I'm reading my Bible to, like, ah, those idiots, like, come on. They were the Israelites. They had seen 10 incredible plagues that God had worked in the land of Egypt. Like I said, walked through the Red Sea. They literally saw water on either side of them as they were walking through. How could they possibly forget? The same way I do when I get up in the morning and I'm worried and afraid about the tasks of the day, forgetting that God has carried me this far in life already. The same way I forget when I react to someone and get angry at them instead of choosing to remember how much I have been forgiven and instead treating them in love and forgiveness. As followers of Jesus, we have every reason to be thankful, to know that we've been saved by Jesus, not only from the mess that we couldn't save ourselves from, but the mess that we ourselves have created. And if we lose sight of this, we begin to focus on what God isn't doing. We begin to focus on the things that we don't have instead of seeing what we do. The words rejoice, again I say rejoice, were written from a prison cell, not a comfortable pew. 
And if Paul can speak this truth from prison, we too, with the help of the Spirit, can be thankful in all circumstances. So what is causing you to be ungrateful? If it's felt like a long time since you've experienced joy, or it seems like this type of peace is maybe nice in theory, but impossible in practice, start with being grateful. I'd encourage you, and one thing that we've encouraged you to over the summer series is just to spend 10 minutes every day praying. Uh, it is a discipline as well, as some of you have found out. Uh, for others of you, it's uh, a simple practice that you've been used to for a while, but I'd encourage you, try and spend 10 minutes each day in prayer, and when you do, I'd encourage you to try that practice. Try, try thanking God for 10 things that you are truly grateful for. Like I said, it's a discipline. It takes time, and it's hard not to be sarcastic at times. If you're like me, it's difficult. But there's always reason to give thanks, and it might take some time for these things to make a difference in your heart, but the more that we continue to practice these things, the more our heart will follow along. The more you see how much God has done for you, the more you see how truly rich you are in Jesus and have everything that you need. We have a good Father who takes care of every one of our needs, who disciplines us and helps change our perspective. And he loves us far more than our minds are able to grasp. We have reason to be thankful. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that in you we have every reason to be thankful. Father, we, we thank you for the sacrifice that you made for us, that we might be made whole, that we can enjoy peace with you, not only now, but also life everlasting. Father, we thank you for the great hope that we have, that we can long and look forward to the day that we will walk with you. We will know what you look like, what you sound like, what you smell like. Father, we thank you for your faithfulness and goodness to us. And Father, it seems like sometimes in these moments that you're so far. So I pray for those who have been, have been seeing what you're not providing. I pray that you give them eyes to see your provision. God, help us to recognize the things that you're working and doing in our lives. But Father, help us to be thankful people. We need your help in this even too. Father, we thank you that you're faithful, that you continue working with us. We mess up, but we thank you that you continue working with us. So we thank you for your faithfulness, God. Amen.